0: Hello, hello, and welcome
1: to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Lost at Sea, and they have a new album called Emotion Sickness, which release is going to be releasing on April 30th uh, via revival recordings. Right now, I'm being joined by Carlos and Aaron to share some more information about this stellar release that came across my desk like just yesterday at the time of recording. You guys are fast! So... Aaron and Carlos, welcome to the show, baby.
2: Thanks for What's having me. What's
1: going on? Yeah. Well, enjoying some winter, having some tea. How is life in Texas these days?
2: Uh, too cold for me, but maybe not too cold for you.
1: <laughs> It'd be a nice summer day if I did that. It'd be fantastic. Probably, honestly. Yeah. I'd be in shorts and flip-flops with uh, like a little inflatable ring around my, looking for uh, a... <laughs> Looking for a pool. <clears throat> are those things like a duck or a swan or whatever? Those inflatable pool things?
2: Yeah, those, those are... And only wearing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Just that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, here comes old Collider. And I just come in there, you know, with my thing. Just doing my thing. Yeah, he's more of an albatross. So, uh, Lost at Sea, Motion Sickness. I see what you guys are doing here. Take us through this record... Is there a theme to the record? What should we expect from the record? Why is it called motion sickness? Is it because you're lost at sea? So, the overall
3: idea that kind of popped out of the record after we took a step back and looked at all the stuff that we had written is that we had been going through, um, we had just moved from College Station, which is the town that Carlos and I went to school in, up to Dallas. And, um, There was a lot of stuff going on in our lives, and we realized that um, a lot of the tracks had that same theme of moving from one place to another, um, being kind of, you know, thrown off course, or uh, not necessarily feeling like you know exactly where you're headed, Um, whether that's like physically or emotionally or really anything in between. So motion sickness was kind of like that, being thrown back and forth.
1: Okay, because when you were saying moving from one place to another, you meant physically, but did you also then mean emotional, maybe even spiritually, going from one place to another?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Wow. Okay,
0: Texas A and M is that where you guys were? Yep. Okay,
1: you done? You guys went and done, got educated.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. I don't know how well that did for us. <laughs>
1: well if,
2: if all things go well we won't use it so
1: <laughs> well now you're you're in a band on my show so so far you're not doing very good at all uh, <laughs> but what i will say though is that it is incredibly good uh music it's kind of funny today's shows i've done a few interviews today today's interviews have all been like the pop punk kind of sound um and i don't know if that's what you guys are going for but that's kind of i think what was sold to me i don't know if i'm holding a vacuum cleaner necessarily, but I dig it. Uh,
3: (laughs) Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we have obvious uh, influences that kind of come through in our music. Um, We're never really sure what to call it, but I mean, it does sound a lot like a lot of those pop punk bands. Mm -hmm. You know, try and put it on.
1: So take us through this. And so you guys, did you guys meet at Texas A&M and you're like, you play the guitar, I play the guitar. We both play the guitar together. Let's go on to this guy's podcast out of Canada. (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think um,
2: uh, I think we we kind of just met through mutual friends and the um like the downtown music scene, uh in Bryan College Station. Um, so I think we had both been playing in other bands and uh, playing music with other people for so long that it just kind of. Uh, it was inevitable that we'd end up crossing paths. Um, well, we met talk- after school. Like yeah, after we after, we had after both school. Finished. You want to talk about uh, the record that I wasn't on, but the drums are? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so Carlos joined the band after his drums did. Um, we, we ran into him, and, and before we officially asked him to join the band, um, we had a temporary drummer when we were recording our first EP um he didn't have a drum set and i had just met carlos like that week before and asked to borrow his kit
2: and then a couple of months later he joined the band went on tour with us and just been in the back ever since so so the so the common joke is um my drums are on more records than i am
1: <laughs> well sir probably a good high quality drum kit i mean that's bound to happen <laughs> <laughs> uh true story years ago uh when i was in a band we were auditioning drummers and we actually had a guy who was like hey i'd love to audition for you guys but do you have a drum kit because i don't and the, oh, no. the first thing we said was like you're a drummer like what am i supposed to show up and like like i don't have a guitar but if i could borrow your guitar i could totally be in your band like i don't know it sounds kind of weird but here we are it happens it happens They're out there. Now, speaking of things happening and people colliding together, uh, take us through this music video because this is an incredible space wherever it is that you guys are at. And You're probably like backyard, Texas A&M, whatever. But this is a cool space. It's a cool music video. So take us through Collider.
3: Um, so specifically about that music video, uh, that was an abandoned warehouse right behind the studio that we recorded at in New Jersey. I was so, there was, there was no power. So we had to use our bassist's uh, car to power the lights and, uh, it, there was no AC and it was in the middle of the summer. So if you look really closely, you can see us uh, sweating pretty hard.
1: I was going to say, you know, you look significantly more under stress in this music video than you do right now. You look great.
0: Thanks
3: you're so welcome. much.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Um,
0: <laughs> I was like, is that the same dude? You've, you've lost <laughs> weight.
2: Great. It was it was hot enough to, to get sick. Like the weather was so fair the entire two weeks that we were. Recording in New Jersey. And the day that we went to record the music video was like blisteringly hot, like Texas hot. And we were in an oven of a warehouse uh, connecting uh, extension cords to inverters and two cars parked outside to make this ragtag video that ended up coming out really well.
1: Mm-hmm. It looks professionally done. Did you have like a camera person with you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it could be one of those music videos where, like, if I watch more closely, there's always one less member of the band in every shot because <laughs> somebody else is filming, right? But yeah. Cool.
2: No, we had a guy come out and, and he did a good job. He did. He did do a good job.
0: I
1: enjoy mm-hmm. it. Uh, why New Jersey?
0: Uh,
3: we went up to record at uh, the Lumberyard with Ace and
0: Nick. From the early November and Man Overboard. Take, so, tell me more. Why yeah. them? Why?
3: <clears throat> well, um, I mean, I've been a fan of the early November for, I don't know, over a decade and a half. And um, just started talking to the guys up there at the lumberyard. And their approach to recording was to like dive really deep into the songs and make sure that like each part, each, um, each lyric had was as good as it could be mm-hmm. and um just really crafting the songs from the ground up, and like we threw away a lot of things in the studio, and they pushed us to write the best songs that we could, and it turned out great,
1: yeah, I mean, it's a great uh sounding e p and or not e p is album album e p album album yeah. yeah apologies, I did not mean to offend you sir um anybody out there working on an e p do better so <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, immediately I thought, you know, not only is it a great sounding record, but it's a good, uh, good music to go along with it. Because I mean, how many times have you heard a great sounding record, but the music sucks? That it's like I don't know, a lap dance where they're they're required by law to stand three feet away from you. It's not really a lap dance at that. Point. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that one came from, but I like that one. I think I'm going to keep that in there. You know. I'm going to start using that analogy. (laughs) Probably should. Far too many people are going to be like, I get that, but I don't want to say that I get that, but I get that. (laughs) Uh, I've been there. Then you'll find some weird guy who's like, man, you got to go to in the insert some county or something where they have. You got to go to Jersey. You got to go to Jersey. They got good gravy at Sal's. (laughs) Like, what? How do we go from laugh dances to eating? Anyway. Uh, cool. Yeah. I'm on their website right now. Very, very straightforward. Just like, you know, what are you looking to do? You're looking to do a single song, the dreaded EP, the complete full length or the lumber yard package. So yeah, it seems more like they're less of a recording studio and more of a production facility.
2: Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's a cool setup. They have, um, they're built into the second floor of this old, uh, antique shop. Like in some some little downtown in a a uh, like a a lumber town, which makes a lot of sense. But um, you go upstairs in this antique shop, and there's like some non-assuming door that has the word lumberyard painted on it. And you walk in, and it's like this two um, two live room built-out studio with no windows, and we just like hold ourselves up there literally for two weeks. Like they have a bunk room that we could like for us to sleep in. And literally just the only time we saw the sun was when we left to go across the street to a Wawa to get food. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It is it mad cabin fever, but uh I think everything turned out well. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stay there for the entire two weeks. I, I started freaking out and I left and went to New York for like three days because, I played drums and so I was done by day four and I was like, I, I, I can't look at you guys anymore and I had to leave, mm-hmm. but um, it yeah. seems like they took care of <laughs> everything else. And, and yeah. Right.
1: Well, I mean, that's something, something to point out is recording is really tedious and slow and incredibly boring. And if you're not the one doing something, whatever it is, like really not that fun. You recorded your drums. Cool. Unless you don't have any questions, uh, I'm gonna peace and go get some Knishes in New York. That's what I'm gonna do.
2: Yep, I went and did that for a couple of days, and then they came back and yelled at them about the way they were doing stuff. So, wait, <laughs> yeah. what was it
1: you didn't like?
2: Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I I, re- I didn't like how everything was coming out, but that's kind of that ends up being our band dynamic. Is I wake up in the back seat and I yell at Aaron about directions, and then I go back to sleep. So
1: there we go. <laughs> yeah beautiful and then how did revival get involved because it looks like you guys have quite the team here i went to your website you have a manager and a record label and a promoter and i mean it sounds like all of this happened pretty fast i mean take us through how revival got involved
3: yeah so we got in touch with revival through our manager jack white not that one Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah, he'd already been friends with the R- uh, A&R guy at Revival and, you know, showed him the LP whenever we had finished. A couple months later, after the pandemic had started, uh, he got back in touch with Jack and was interested in helping us put it out. And it just all kind of snowballed from there. It was pretty wild.
1: Mm-hmm. So you guys invested this money up front to get the whole album recorded. Uh mm-hmm. Kind of a silly question, but did you know you, were, you guys were setting yourselves up for this this snowball effect?
0: Not at
3: all. We've been a DIY band for, like, we've done literally everything ourselves for the last five and a half years. Um, so this was just kind of
0: like the cherry on top. Um, and, you know, we're super grateful that anyone showed interest at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Take us through this song, Collider. What is Collider?
2: So the idea for Collider came out from this uh, incredibly vivid dream that I had. um, I guess a couple of months before we got into the studio, uh, that I had just gotten off a flight in San Antonio, and I called my girlfriend in Dallas to to let her know that you know I I had landed safe. I was home, and while I'm on the phone i hear her get into like this incredible uh violent car crash and i listened to uh, mm. the entire crash and the aftermath of it uh over the phone and couldn't do anything about it cuz i was in san antonio and she was in dallas mm. and so i had to listen to all this happen and listen to her like her crying afterwards and not knowing if she was okay. And I woke up with kind of this uh, like clarity of you you have to tell people what they mean to you when you have the chance, because you don't know what's coming and what's going to happen. And that's kind of where this song stemmed from.
1: Yay. So we have a Nickelback music video as a dream. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Boom. And then moment of clarity. Very interesting. I, I don't. I for some reason I wasn't thinking it was going to be headed in that direction. But I was say, isn't it kind of crazy how sometimes you can have a dream that just like shakes you for the rest of the day. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, moment of clarity. Were you unclear with your girlfriend up to that point?
2: Um. No, I don't think so. It's just sometimes these dreams have kind of a shaking. Effect on the way you think about life in general, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you call her oh. and tell her you're like, babe, babe, babe? You have three babes. And after the yeah. after the third babe, you're like, so I had this dream.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was two or three babes, but um, yeah, it took me a day or two to get over that.
1: What What was her reaction when you told her that she? Well, she didn't die in a car accident. You don't know what happened in the car accident.
2: No, I don't know what happened in the car accident. Okay. He was basically, I'm sorry that I'm a bad driver in your dreams, but... Oh.
0: Yeah. no, He was a
2: bad driver in real life, too, but...
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) I guess you get what's coming to
1: you. Stop hurting other people.
2: I know, exactly. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Boom. Okay. So, how come the music video, then, didn't become a Nickelback music video with, like, slow motion, like, car destruction shots and...
3: Well, we got in touch with Michael Bay, but he wasn't interested. (laughs) It's too bad. Because you guys were in
1: Jersey, that's why. Yeah.
3: Also, we didn't have a multi-million dollar budget.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. Well, this looks cool anyway. (laughs) I dig it. Okay. Well, yeah, that would definitely cause some motion sickness. I mean, that sounds jarring.
3: (laughs) Sorry. That was (laughs) That was exactly the word that I was that I used to describe
0: it.
1: Mm. Yeah, but well, you weren't kidding. But in uh, definitely in in a, uh, quite a few different ways. Is it, one of the other tracks we we're going to chat about there's a focus track off of the record was Albatross. Now, at the time that we're recording this, that track doesn't have a music video. It's not released, to my knowledge. Uh, but Correct. Obviously, this episode's going to air in March-ish time. Uh, so take us through this track. What is? Albatross did you have a dream where you were talking to an albatross?
3: uh no, it's so it, the song itself is based off of a book called the Raw Shark Texts, and the first half of the book, the main character has lost his uh significant other in a scuba diving accident, oh. and there's a whole like memento kind of vibe to it where he forgot who he was uh, because the the trauma of the experience was like shook him so much Mm -hmm. and so the song itself is kind of it's sitting in that moment and not understanding what's going on because of the grief that you've experienced and the guilt from not being not having been able to stop that from happening and albatross in literature is the embodiment of guilt, like hanging around your neck. It's from like a, and a
1: old poem. Clearly you went to university. You just, you're over my head here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the big
3: things that we had to do at the studio was to take all of these like really complex ideas and like distill it down into like what actually matters.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
3: and the thing that we pulled out of the song was that even though all of these like things are happening and you feel this guilt that in the end, you know, it's going to be
0: fine.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Lincoln Parks said in the end, it didn't matter anyway.
0: Not my philosophy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Boom. Yeah. I've got, I'm on the Wikipedia page of this book. I've never heard of it. Uh, 2007. I think it was right around that time there was that guy who like killed his fiance or something by taking out her oxygen tank while she was scuba diving and. She felt- oh
2: dear. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh,
1: yeah. So, there was like a picture of him, like giving a thumbs up and she's at the bottom and yeah. <laughs> uh, uh,
3: messed up.
1: Yeah. So immediately I was like, oh I wonder if this is based on that, but there's, there's a whole lot of things on this Wikipedia page about this book. Apparently Kung Fu. Is a theme in the book?
3: Yeah. Okay. It's the book is wild. Okay. Like, even the typography of it, and like, there are some pages that have a shark made out of like characters, like letters.
1: Mm hmm. Bananas. It is bananas. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Uh,. <laughs> Would you recommend the book? Like, is it something that I should run out to the public library and go pick up?
0: I love the book. Okay. So, yes.
1: Okay. yeah, It seems to have uh, quite a few play-on-words, quite literally, um, from what I've guessed, or what, I've, what I'm seeing here, and then some other themes. And I like Kung Fu, so if you can get sharks and Kung Fu together, then it's the best shark we've seen in my life. <laughs> Well, that's true. if you
3: love Kung Fu, there's also uh, some, like, vague
0: references to the Matrix.
1: Okay. (laughs) I know Kung Fu. Uh, Which I believe was Southern Crane style Kung Fu they were learning. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Then they're coming out with a number four, and then a John Wick number four. It's the year of the number four.
2: I love John Wick. Who
1: doesn't? Come on.
2: I just love Keanu in general.
1: Mm-hmm. My wife and I were just talking about this the other day. Like he has not aged and he's maintained his level of respectability his entire career.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I feel like that's just gone up.
1: Yeah. Actually, yeah. It's like Bill and Ted stamped him forever. And then he's just been working away from that for like 40 years. <laughs>
0: Thing. that's
3: exactly where i was just about to start from <laughs> i love that movie so much
1: yeah this entire time i'm watching john wick i'm like isn't this guy like 50 something like what is <laughs> what is going on and i look back at a movie poster from the matrix and I'm like he hasn't aged he's not real uh, yeah and then somebody else said you should watch jack reacher it's got tom cruise in it and i went Ugh, i don't know if i want to watch a tom cruise movie yeah like arguably a better actor but he's done so much crap that stamped him in my mind since then that kiana hasn't done that i'm just like i would much rather just watch kiana reeves
0: for two hours yeah
1: yeah boom okay fan freaking tastic we've chatted about collider we've chatted about albatross we have chatted about the album motion sickness we've chatted about some literature uh we've chatted about the recording studio and production team, we chatted about that your manager is Jack White, but not that Jack White. Um chatted about revival. Chatted about life in Texas.
0: We chatted about life in Jersey in the summer.
1: Chatted about New York for three days. Is there we anything
3: covered a lot of ground?
1: We did cover a lot of ground in twenty four <laughs> minutes and fifty one seconds, baby. We did it.
0: Is
3: there
1: anything that you guys wanted to chat about that
0: I did not bring up? Hmm. What do you think, Aaron? I don't know to be honest. Okay.
1: We could chat gear for a second. I saw your bass player's got a ampeg SVT, <coughs> which is a sexy amp, and then it looks like he's got a P bass, which is a sexy combination. Okay,
3: let's- Let's talk years? about gear for quite a while. <laughs>
1: um, Does he have a rack pedal thing, too? I mean come on.
3: If there's one thing that we're good at, it's buying gear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the bass in that music video is a nineteen sixty-four. Fender P bass. No. It's man. a sixty four. for CBS. Yeah. <clears throat> That's that is our bass crown jewel. He he took that on tour one and then decided that he didn't want to risk it anymore. No. Um, no. But if you want to get into his signal chain, I'm pretty sure I can recount it. It's 64 P-Base or a hand-built Gibson Grabber, so it's not really Gibson, um, into... What does he use for a fuzz? He uses a, um, an Ass Master, and then that goes into a Sansamp. And cool. then into
0: a fender super basement. How do you spell Azure? Has- has- uh exactly how it sounds. Um I think I forget what uh, uh Maleko. Maleko. Maleko.
1: Well, that's cool, and I'm glad somebody said pre-CBS because then immediately I went to my head with Wayne's World. Pre-CBS corporate bio. <laughs>
3: uh, speaking of Wayne's
2: World, do you still have your hat, Carlos? I, I had to toss it. It is disgusting. <laughs> um, no, I don't have it anymore. Dang. Uh, yeah, we We talk about Phil's bases, but it's more than two bases. I think he and he had, like, 20 at one point. Yeah. That guy hoards gear like nobody's
3: business. Now I think he has, like, four P-Bases, including the 64. Um, most of them are either custom or... I think they're all custom. I don't really know where he gets them. He, like, buys parts and then has... Um... What's that company that does a Relic? MJT?
0: Uh, he sends them to MJT and then has them relic Mm. Okay. So that is that is the bass sound that is on the record. Yes. Wow. Ah. At least the bass. He used that. Okay.
2: Yeah, and um, I, I think he, uh, the bass sound is a combination of a DI with digital compressors and, uh, what amp did we use? We 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 mic'd a. Uh, a 410 as well, but I don't remember if it was an SVT or something else.
0: Okay. All right.
1: I dig it, boys. I dig it. I'm going to have to go listen back to that bass, slab of the bass. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, guys, unless there's, anyth- <laughs> unless there's anything else you wanted to throw out there, I wanted to thank you for coming on to the uh, Pop Punk podcast today.
0: And- <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, man, it was fun.